Welcome to Your American Heritage with your host, Ed Bondarenka. Our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. Good afternoon. Welcome to Your American Heritage, where we talk about the two things you're not supposed to talk about, religion and politics. I'd like to remind you that this and the other WAMP shows are available via podcast, and I ask them to share them with your friends, okay? Let's get the word out. I mean, we're, we're working hard here. This is We're working hard at radio, and we want the results of our labors to be broadcast, and uh, more than just on AM, but uh, also on oh, FM 92.7 and the internet. And if you don't have any friends to share the show with, one, I feel bad for you, but two, you could go to church and meet new friends, make some. And if no one at church approaches you to talk to you, or they only approach you to tell you to put on a mask, you're in the wrong church. I know that's very judgmental of me, but church is about fellowship with each other and God. And if nobody's talking to you about anything but masks, then yeah, find another church. Along those lines, I'd like to be a resource center here. I started this last week, didn't go anywhere. If you can recommend a God-respectful, freedom-loving church, email me at youramericanheritageradio at gmail.com. Your American Radio, I'm sorry, your American Heritage Radio at gmail.com. Okay? And uh, if you're looking for a church, do the same thing, and then I can put the two of you together. All right? Because I know there's good churches around it. Because I was talking to a coworker last week. And he's up from Ohio helping us with an installation. And he told me that he's looking forward to Easter when they get to go back to church finally. I mean, are you kidding me? And and then he goes on to say, eh, you know, and he's kind of ambivalent about going back. He's kind of out of the habit. Now, if you don't go back to church, then the enemy wins. You know, the Bible says, forsake not the fellowshipping of yourselves together. And I, there's, I don't want this to be a totally religious show, but like I said, we're going to talk about religion and politics. And by the way, we do that at our church too. <laughs> when the service is over, we talk about religion and politics and car repair too and hunting and uh, gardening. So you can have a full life and uh, make friends at church. So do that. So let's pray. Father, you said in your word to pray for those that have the rule over us. I pray now for the American people in who the political power of the nation rightly resides. Please give us the insight and wisdom and guidance in the days ahead. And as for those trying to foist their ungodly domination over us, please remove them from power into a place of repentance. Please lead us in our discussion today and please keep the technical difficulties to a minimum. Can I get an amen? Guys, can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, let's see, we're into 380 days to flatten the curve, and it's day 66 of the coup. And for me, it's been 39 days of not taking the China virus experimental inoculation with no side effects. Now, you do what you want. I know a number of people who've had the shot. It's not a vaccine. And besides getting sick a bit after getting it, they now might have between 60 and 90% of not getting sick from the China flu. Maybe. For now. Until it wears off. So, do what you want. I don't care, but just don't make me do it, please. And they still have to wear the mask, which is 100% ineffective against you getting the China flu. So I'm not seeing the upside here. Now, I'd like to say this right now. The views and opinions of Ed Bondarenka are not necessarily those of his guests. 
because it's time for the David Coleman Report. So, today's guest is a man who has contributed in many ways to the liberty of our state. I am serious. I'm not sucking up to the guy just so I can get him on the show regularly. He is a patriot and a man of faith who, with others, is fighting for us. Uh, he does that in the legal arena. So David Coleman is a head of Coleman Legal Group. He is also senior legal counsel of the Great Lakes Justice Center and vice president of Salton Lake Global, slgwitness.com. He's representing Tyler Jansen, one of the top wrestlers in the state of Michigan. And we hear a lot about boys competing as girls to, to steal championships and scholarships from females and the tolerance for that. But now we have this. Governess Whitmer gets to steal an opportunity from a boy pursuing his sport as a boy. Dave, welcome to the show. Tell us what's going on, please. Thanks, Ed. It's always a, a real pleasure to be with you. Yeah, your heart just goes out to Tyler Jansen. He, you know, here he's worked his, literally his whole life. He's a senior in high school. He's been wrestling 11 years and struggled early on. Um, his dad told me he had a number of years he did not even win a match and wasn't doing well, but he kept at it, kept practicing, kept working. Until now, he's gotten a little older, he's filled out, he's you know turning into a nice young man. He's a senior, he's undefeated in his weight class, one of the top wrestlers in the whole state of Michigan, ready to go for his shot at a state title, his dreams, he's ready to go. Well, guess what happens? He gets a letter March 12th from the local county health department. You have been in contact close quarters with someone who is COVID positive. You must quarantine for 10 days. Well, the 10 days ran out March 22nd. His district re, um, uh, wrestling tournament for state, you know, to, to go for a state championship was March 20, uh, 20th. 20, uh, 20th, last Saturday, so it was a week ago. So obviously, he's in quarantine. He's not going to be allowed uh, under the, the local county health department to participate. Well, guess what? The CDC actually has different guidelines than what the state of Michigan has. State of Michigan says 10-day quarantine, can't do anything. CDC says, well, if you do it for seven days, get two COVID tests in a row that are clean, that you're negative for the virus, you can come out of quarantine after seven days. So this young man gets tested eight straight days, right up to the Friday before the tournament starts last Saturday. He's clean on every single test. He points out to the local county health department, hey, the CDC says I'm good to go after seven days, so let me, let me wrestle on Saturday. The county health department says, well, there's the state mandate. It says 10 days, we have to abide by that. But to their credit, the Ottawa County Health Department calls the state of Michigan, calls the Whitmer administration in Lansing, explains the situation. We have this young man, he's tested clean for eight days in a row. It's been more than seven days. Do we have permission from you guys in Lansing, the Whitmer administration to waive the 10-day requirement and go with the CDC guidelines. And guess what the state tells them? Oh, oh let me guess. Let me guess. <laughs> um, oh, let me think. Let me Give me a second. Yeah, all right. Uh, no. Yeah, no. So it, I, I just find it so ironic in, in a pathetic kind of way 
about how we get lectured all the time from Lansing. We're just following the science and data. We're not going to tell you what it all is, but we're, we know best. We're following the science and the data, six feet separation. And, oh, wait a minute, CDC's just come out and said it's three feet. Well, doesn't matter. We follow the science and the data. But then, they won't tell you what it is, but then when the CDC, who is our national organization that tells us the science and data, actually comes up with a standard that's different and our client meets that standard, the state goes, oh, well, I guess we don't care about real science and data. We don't care about what the CDC says. We're going to crush this young man's dreams. We're not going to let him uh, participate. And that's what happened. We got a call Friday late in the morning, last a week ago, telling us this story. His dad, Andy Jansen, his dad called. We dropped everything, put together a complaint, a request for injunctive relief, filed it Friday afternoon in the Ottawa County Circuit Court, asking the one of the judges over there to issue an injunction to actually follow science and data, follow the CDC guidelines, and let this young man wrestle. Judge Miedema over in Ottawa County, and everybody in Ottawa County, you should know this. You have a judge that doesn't care about the science and the data, doesn't care about the law, and just ruled and said, well, the state says 10 days, that's good enough. The judge ignored the CDC guidelines, didn't even bring it up in her short opinion, and ruled against the young man. I think all you folks in Ottawa County should be aware of that, what Judge Miedema did to this young man. And so late Friday, we got that ruling that he could not participate. He was not allowed to participate last Saturday, which of course means he's out of the tournament and he cannot compete for the state championship he'd worked his whole life toward. It's a travesty. And, and what makes this even more galling is that people think, oh, this is just an isolated thing. It's just one person. No, these are bureaucrats in Lansing doing this statewide. We are getting dozens and dozens and dozens of, of people calling with similar stories, similar situations, going after restaurants, going after that poor lady in Holland, everything else, going after people. This is not isolated, folks. This is happening all over the state. And it's about time people started waking up, understanding they are not following science and data, and that we need to start standing up in opposition to this sort of thing, or you're going to have a hundred Tyler Jansons out there, a thousand restaurants being shut down, and that's what's happening right now, and people better wake up. You know, uh, thanks for sharing that. You're absolutely right. Uh, when... I was looking for other examples of this. I found that there was a young man, actually, I, I take that back. I heard it on the Gruber show and I wasn't able to actually find it on the internet. Just like I couldn't find Tyler Jansen's case without mentioning his name. If I said a uh, boy in competition, COVID championship, any, any, I tried all kinds of, I tried DuckDuckGo, Google, a couple other uh, search sites. Nothing was coming up about this, and I, it, it bothers me because there's not a lot of um, um, uh, population awareness of what's going on here. It's just these sports, you know, and you've got all these people complaining, and rightly so, about transgenders going into women's sports. And so these bullying boys denying girls of their opportunity at a scholarship, not just a championship, but we're talking about a route to a college education. 
this is this is not just the money. This is a a path to, you know, improving yourself. If you don't have the money, you know, scholarships are an important way of getting people through college. Sports athletes, uh, we call them athlete scholars typically, although often they really are a little bit light on the scholar side sometimes. But that being what it might be, here we've got now we've got a case of a woman bullying a young man out of his championship. This woman. Governess Whitmer, who, you know, is, is cheating this guy of this opportunity to pursue his dream. And, you know, that's supposed to be the Democrat mantra, mantra helping people to chase their dreams and follow their dreams. You know, if they want to be a different sex, if they want to be a different color, if they want to be, oh, president of the United States, um, you know, help them to follow the dream. And here she's denying this to this young man. It's And like you said, it's it's is going on across the country. And and when we talk about people rising up, well, there's only one, well, there's two routes and those guys, I don't want to get into those guys who try, try to take out Whitmer. That is not a valid route, okay? Um, but a valid route would be through the legislature, the legislature putting constraints on this woman. And the only way we can get that to do to happen is if we as voters get our our state legislators, get on their tail and say, why aren't you doing something about this? Uh, you know, work uh, for having people elected who will stand up for, for, well, for election integrity for one, for, you know, COVID relief for another, follow the science. I mean, I don't always agree with C the CDC science, but hey, there's a standard there. If you're not going to follow that, you're just making it up as you go along, right? Right, exactly right. Okay. Yeah. I I, I agree, Ed. I mean, there comes a point, and of course, violence is never the answer. That's never, you know, what you or I or other people would ever advocate. Of course not. But there, we have legal means. We have legal recourse through the legislature, through the courts, through the ballot box. You know, these elections have consequences, and it leads to decisions like what we're seeing with Tyler Jansen and what we're seeing with uh, uh, Marlena. Uh, Hackney over in uh, Holland. And here she fled communist Poland to get away from the tyranny and everything. And what does she end up with? She's facing it right here in Michigan with her business being padlocked and shut down and she's thrown in jail. So, you know, we need to be involved, use the system that we have in place that we have access to and that we can use. That's what we need to do. Yeah. And concerning Oh, Marlena Pavlos Hockney. I was reading an MLive article about her, which I thought was rather balanced, and and I was I was kind of impressed by it because they quoted both people for the freedom movement and those for the uh, totalitarian movement. Let's put it that way. And so some of these people were saying, "Oh, you know, she's harming all restaurateurs." because she's given us a bad name or doing something. I couldn't quite follow their logic, which is good because if I could, I'd be worried about my sanity, all right? <laughs> However, uh, there were others who were pointing out rightly that this is this COVID crush is just tyranny and it's, it's uncalled for. And, you know, my question is, if she got out on, on a $15,000 fine and now she's out of jail right now, as far as I could tell from, from you know, cruising the internet. She's free. She 
paid her fine and other restaurants are now open, why is she still closed? Well, because the state took action and took away her license. She has no food license right now. So she has to go through a process to try to get her food license back. I that's hadn't read why, that. She, yeah, I that's why that she, she lost can't her license. Run. Right. Okay. So you're right. You're exactly right. That's the problem. And, uh, you know, people can say what they want. But again, let's look at the science and data. Does the science and data support that Marlena's restaurant in Holland was a super spreader and hundreds or thousands of people were catching the COVID virus because her restaurant was open? No, there's no science or data supporting that. And believe me, they've tried. They've tried to find that. They've tried to find people. I think they have one case that possibly might have been somebody who came to her restaurant and had the virus, but they don't have anything showing that any of her uh, of anything she did, employees, anybody else, has actually caused the virus to spread. And so once again, you know, it's like, what are we doing here? And and I'll tell you right now, we're being set up by the media for a lie right now. I was just reading in the newspaper this morning. Yeah, I still read newspapers. That I know, I'm an old dinosaur. I, I read the actual one. newspaper. I you know, I, I, I know that probably one, dates. I get advertisements. <laughs> yeah, Never. but here's an article in our local paper saying. Our local county health officials in the state saying we aren't going to be able to get back to normal. People still have to wear masks, People, you know, six feet distancing, all this stuff. Get your vaccine because we aren't at the herd immunity yet. And only 25 or 30 percent of the people in the state are vaccinated now. And until we get to 75 or 80 percent of the people vaccinated, we can't you know, allow these restrictions to be lifted. That is an outright lie. I mean, I, I just, I, I, you know, I practically crumpled my newspaper up and threw it away. I, I mean, if you want to see the truth, look at the Wall Street Journal that Dr. Macri from, of all places, that right-wing conservative crazy place called Johns Hopkins, you know, he's a, he's a senior doctor at Johns Hopkins, and he points out what a lie that is. You don't have to get to 70 or 80 percent of the population to be vaccinated to get back to normal. Because right now, upwards of 40% or more, depending on where you are in the country, have immunity already because they have the antibodies. They've not had a vaccine. They had the virus and they can't get it again, according to all their science and data. So you have to combine those two groups of people, those who have had the virus and have the antibodies, so they aren't gonna get it again, add that to the people being vaccinated they conveniently leave out that first group, which is bigger than the percentage of those vaccinated. But you can see, Dr. Macri points this out. If you combine right now those two groups, and of course there's some overlap, some people who have the antibodies also got a vaccine, but you're approaching 60% or more right now of the population is immune from this uh, virus. We're approaching yeah. that right now. But yet, what are the, what's the media telling you? What is our so-called science and data people at at uh, the Department of Public Health in Michigan and the governor's office telling you? Oh, we got to keep doing this for us. This is why Joe Biden says maybe we'll let you have a backyard barbecue by July fourth. What a joke! That's ridiculous. Dr. Macri says we're going to be there within a month, maybe May at the latest. And this and this is, a- is just another example of how they skew what they report and what the media reports, they are not 
telling you the full story and the truth on these things. Right. This is a, an article I've had open on my browser here for a while for when something like this would come up. And then I had to hunt for it because it inadvertently closed. But anyways, the Wall Street Journal in February, you know, this is a quote, Wall Street Journal. Amid the dire COVID warnings, one crucial fact has been largely ignored. Cases are down 77% over the past six weeks. If a medication slashed cases by 77%, we'd call it a miracle pill. Why is the number of cases plummeting much faster than experts predicted? In large part because natural immunity. And they go on, they say, by April, and uh, let's see, let's see. That was last month, was February, that makes March. April, that's a couple days from now, practically, right? Correct. You know, basically, we're going to be out of, I never really thought we would, uh, uh, we could call this being in terrible territory right now. But this author says that the current trajectory, I expect COVID will be mostly gone by April, allowing Americans to resume a normal life. Unless, of course, their governess doesn't let them. Yeah. So yeah, that's. And that's, again, people need to educate themselves and find out the full story and not just accept what you're seeing in the mainstream media because you're not being told everything. You're given being given half the story. That's the problem. Yeah. Now, I don't mean to make light of Tyler's situation, but couldn't they have offered him that he could wear three masks, perhaps? <laughs> it was wrestling. Well, you know. I know. It, you know, it's you, you still your just heart goes out to this young man. I mean, I've talked to his dad a lot in the past week. We've tried to we, we asked the MHSAA to maybe possibly do something to let this young guy chase his dream. And they declined. Um, you know, nobody seems to want to do anything about it. And so here he is, senior year, he's just done. All over bogus 10-day quarantine requirements that even the CDC says are not necessary. It's just a travesty. It really is. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I was reading uh, that the... There have been six food licenses, including Merlina's, have been suspended, though it says four have been dissolved, according to Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. And the department has issued cease and desist orders to 17 bars and restaurants. So uh, this is this is a travesty. And that's because those are the ones that dared pop their heads up. Right. You know? Right. I well, you know what makes it even more egregious involving Marlena? I mean, just so we're clear, we don't represent her. Uh, I'm aware of some things that are going on. Uh, you know, you hear things through our firm and things like that. But the attorney general, we don't have to guess on this or speculate. It, or speculate. The attorney general put out a press release this week and directly said, because Marlena Hackney had the audacity to go on Fox, uh, uh, go on the Tucker Carlson show, that she's out to get her. I mean, she's going to close her down. She doesn't deserve to have a restaurant. Because she dared to speak out. That's just mind-blowing to me. That our attorney general would admit that and feel that she can admit it without any fear of repercussion. That her prosecution is based upon the fact that this lady spoke out against her. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's vindictiveness. Well, folks, I'm with David Coleman. Please come back after the break and join us as we continue the discussion on your American heritage.
We were made to be courageous We were made to lead the way We could be the generation That finally breaks the chains We were made to be courageous We were made to be courageous We were warriors on the front lines Standing unafraid Hey folks, welcome back to Your American Heritage. And I'm here with David Coleman. But before we proceed, I'd like to play something for you from the Edwards Notebook. Uh, I get these every week and I don't often play them, but this is a good one. If you'll hold on and listen, I'd appreciate it. For all the Christian voters who preferred Biden, I'm still trying to figure out what in the world do you use for brains? Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, President Trump and all of humanity are blessed with a creator who does not condemn us forever because of past sins. Like every born boy or girl, Trump is not perfect and committed wrongful acts during his life. But since giving his heart to Christ, Trump, like all of us, has shown he is not perfect. But in many ways, Donald Trump has exhibited a more Christ-like attitude than many Christians I know personally, including ministers and reverends. Very soon after being elected president in 2016, President Trump encouraged a group of sappy preachers and prophets jockeying for position on his prayer team that they should boldly stand for their beliefs in God and not accept being discarded by society. The foolish Christians who either voted for Biden or did not vote at all are no one as far as I'm concerned, and they have no one but themselves to blame for the erosion of our religious liberties and the literal amped-up war against all we have learned to be good according to the Word of God. So now, our border is also spiraling out of control. You like that? I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. I did that because Ron Edwards is a friend of the show, and uh, I thought that was a good message. And I want to encourage you people that uh, we have a phone line here. It's 734-822-1600. And um, there are some of you who have it memorized and didn't need to be enticed into calling. One of those would be Joe from Wyandotte. And as soon as Derek gets back to the board, we'll talk to Joe and see what he has to say. But if you have any questions, folks, for our guest, David Coleman. Please feel free to call. No free legal advice, only opinions. Well, just remember, just remember Ed, Ed, advice is worth what you pay for. Pay for. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe, you there? I am. I Good am. afternoon, Good afternoon gentlemen. Uh, I do have a question. Uh, first, though, Dave, it was great finally getting to meet you in person at the Wayne 11th Intech Election Integrity event. So, uh now I know what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you had to endure that type of torture, Joe, but it was really, it was good to meet you too. <laughs> uh, but I was calling about two things about petitions. The Whitmer recall, I looked on ballot TV the other day. I mean, there were there's more than a dozen recall petitions that were filed. The last remaining outstanding ones look like they expire at the end of this month is viability. But I also got an email, and this will be my question, from Unlock Michigan regarding petitions to repeal the 45 Act. 
that should get on the ballot. But I'm a bit leery and wanted to know what you think as to whether or not the 45 Act should be repealed at this point, because she's not using that. The Supreme Court smacked her down on that. She's going through the Health and Human Services uh, aspect. But what happens if something happens to a majority of our legislatures, if there's a real emergency that the governor would have to act on, do you think we should proceed with repealing the 45 Act? Yeah, in my opinion, without a doubt, that should be repealed. And even though the uh, um, Supreme Court ruled the way they did. Well, how did the Supreme Court rule? Well, the Supreme Court ruled that the 1945 law was unconstitutional as written. Yeah, so, and in fact, it was a 7-0 decision uh, so, by the Supreme Court on that issue. But look, our, our Supreme Court has flipped now and it's uh, it's no longer a 4-3 conservative court. And so if a new case came up, uh, the Supreme Court can always issue new okay. rulings and do things. So there's no guarantee on this. I, I think it's very important to still get that 1945 law thrown out. Because the 1976 law is still there, and that was the the four to three ruling in in the case last fall, and the basis there was because there's the 28 day limitation. So Joe, to answer your question, that she could still or whoever is the governor could still act if there's a true emergency, and they could do it for up to 28 days. But then it's just after that 28 days, the governor has to have agreement with the legislature to continue. And that's a good check and balance, and that should be in place. So I think that yeah. you know answers why we need to get agree rid of with you on that. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you answered Joe. that way, and so people could pay attention. And hopefully, again, that will be on the ballot because they right. say they're uh, they're in the process of examining signatures, but they they right. eliminated however many sheets, but. It's unlikely they're going to find enough invalids to completely throw out the petition, and it should be on our ballot. So I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully that'll draw some people out on our side this election cycle. I hope so, too. Thanks, Joe. All right. Take care, brothers. I love you both. Have a great day. Well, there I was trying to get Joe not to hang up, but that's okay. I'm I'm glad he brought that up. Uh, I'm glad he brought that up. I would have, silly me, I thought, hey, it was found unconstitutional. We don't have to worry about that anymore. But no, it's still on the books, only with kind of a slash across, a temporary slash across. Is that the point? Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's why it's not repealed. It's still there. Yeah. Yeah. So wow, and then and the, the twenty eight days is still there, and we all know that twenty eight days. You have plenty of time to act within twenty eight days because we've all seen that movie Twenty Eight Days, and at the end of it, there's there was oh utter destruction. Never mind. Let's let's move on. So, <laughs> hmm. Derek, do we have another caller? And you're typing furiously. <laughs> you can just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Tom from Detroit. Well, okay, let's talk to Tom from Detroit about Whitmer's abuse of power. Hey, Tom. Hi. Uh, yeah, you know, this uh, second time I've heard about, uh, and I don't remember all the uh, details of woman's name, but, you know, where her restaurant was shut down and, uh, you know, she's all kind of fines and stuff. And then uh, Dana Nessel said that, well, you know, she's she's going to go ahead and, uh, you know, prosecute her for daring to talk to Tucker Carlson about, you know, what happened to her. And, uh, you know, hello? 
Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, Dave oh, had okay. mentioned that just before the half-hour break. Yeah, go on. At, yeah, at any rate, uh, uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, malicious prosecution is, is actionable on, a, you know, like a, a Title 42, 1983 or 1985 action, something like that. I, I mean, she admits on the record that, you know, she's, you know, persecuting this woman because, you know, she said bad things, you know, that she dared to uh, stand up for her rights. And, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I mean, what, you know, do you have a comment on that about malicious prosecution? Does that sound like, you know, something that would, uh, would stand up in a federal court? I hate to well, say this. Hey, wait, 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 Dave. I hate to yeah, say this because Tom's a regular caller and he's a good guy, but I'm just blown away that he knows that code and section. And <laughs> I want a lawyer's opinion. Was he accurate? <laughs> well, Look, malicious prosecution, when it's going against a prosecutor or the attorney general's office, is is such a high standard. It's very, very hard to get past. They have immunity from prosecution. And so the standards are so high, I could probably spend a whole show on that, Ed. But, oh, you know, okay. it, it's just uh, for our purposes today, it, it's just not something that probably is going to prevail. Probably not. Uh, you know, Tom says the, talks about the asks about the 1983 action. Yeah, we bring those kinds of lawsuits in federal court all the time, um, and have done them a number of times. And the first defense that gets raised when it's a government actor is immunity, and so a number of those cases get thrown out. And the courts tend to protect prosecutors and well, attorney generals when they're bringing criminal cases. So, I mean, it's a good idea. I I don't disagree with you, but I'm dubious as to whether it would win or not. What about what about? Have you ever uh, studied the case uh, Owen versus City of Independence? Uh, that was a 1983 or an 85 case where, uh, uh, if I remember, the court said, uh, you know, basically, you know, if something's written in policy or you know it's you know approved at a high level, you know, then then that's that's actionable on the. Uh, you know the municipal corporation, and uh, the that was a, where a sheriff lost his job, and uh, he ended up winning the case because, you know, they had a they had a corrupt uh, municipal uh, policy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. You know, I think I think the best bet on this one would be the fact that Dana Nessel pretty much self admitted that she's doing this because, yeah. you know, Marlena Hackney uh, 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 was on Tucker Carlson. It's it's a matter of public record. You know, she self incriminated. If that doesn't get yeah. us. Well, but see, the problem you've got, though, it's it's not that simple. It's not just simply, I, I think you're right, Ed. It speaks to the fact of her motivation for why she's prosecuting Attorney General Nessel. But you're overlooking the underlying issue here, which would be, are these orders that have come out from MDHHS, from MDARD, from MIOSHA, all these state agencies, are they valid or not? They have not, there's not a single case in Michigan of a higher appellate court having thrown out any of those underlying laws or, or orders yet. Now, yeah, we have various I, cases, we have a case in the Court say, of Appeals right now. What and you just so said. it depends. It depends on what the uh, higher courts do because she can she can hide behind if if the higher courts say those orders are enforceable and are lawful. Well, 
you're going to lose if you try to sue her in federal court for malicious prosecution. So you see the problem. Even though she yeah, may that, have a bad motive, it doesn't matter if the underlying order is upheld. I see. Yeah, okay. Well, yes, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. Then you. What. What you're saying is you'd have to uh, have to to separate uh, the actual. You know, her emotions from uh, from the actual law. Right. You know. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, a good that's, point. You're right. You know, that's that's a that's a tough one. I'd hate to have to try to draft yeah, I mean, that think, up. Think about it. You know, you got a mass murderer out there, and so a prosecutor stands up and calls them a subhuman being and calls them names and things like that. Well, they're not going to be charged with malicious prosecution just because they're going after the mass murderer and calling them names. You know, it, okay. it has to be more than that. Thanks, Tom. Good that was point. a good point. Thanks yeah, for bringing thanks. that up because that cleared that up for me too. Appreciate that. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. You know, speaking of playing a lawyer when you're not really a lawyer, and I'm not <laughs> taking a dig at Tom there because I called into the Gruber show Friday, and I'm probably going to embarrass myself here, but I'm, I hope I don't. All right. So there's this HR1 that I spoke about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And when I first heard of HR1, where they were talking about the federal government, in other words, Congress coming in and dictating to the states how they would conduct their federal elections, my first thought was you can't do that under the Constitution because the state legislatures are supposed to set the terms of how we vote for vice president and president. Totally forgetting that as they point out in the, I guess it's called the preamble to H.R. 1, that they stipulate that it's in the Constitution that Congress can select the method by which Congress critters and senators are elected. And Oh, that's right. They can do that. So if they can do that, but the state legislatures control how the presidential ballot is conducted, then do we end up with two separate ballots on and two separate, I mean, you'd have to have two separate elections on virtually the same day because the rules are different for who gets to get in and how the votes are. I mean, it'd be so confusing. I can't see how it's workable. Uh, Steve, when I was trying to explain it to him on the air, uh, he didn't get what I was saying, which I understand most people don't. Did you understand me? <laughs> I think so. Ed. I, you made some good points there. And, and there's a third issue there is, well, what about all the state elections and, and well, who yeah, controls exactly. all the elections for state house, Senate, governor, things like that. Right. I mean, Mayor. It, so where does where's the federal government get you know the power to come in and tell a state how to run their state elections? I would argue they don't have that power. So you have a much narrower question of whether they can tell you how to do it for for Congress, for senators and for congressmen running for office. But everything else is very clearly left to the states. And I think given our current makeup on our Supreme Court, you know, 6-3 conservative majority, I I'm rather sorry. doubt, I highly doubt, uh, in general, 6-3, <laughs> at least a 5-4, we'll put it that way. Uh, I, I highly doubt that the uh, Supreme Court's going to allow the federal government to dictate electoral policies, you know, to every state in the country. I just can't imagine that, that that's going to be upheld. The other problem you've got here, too, is uh, involving these uh, state elections is, you know, who, who controls? I mean, who sets it up? And we have all these systems in place. Michigan now has uh, like this redistricting uh, 
committee that sets up all the all the districts uh, in the state of Michigan. They took it away from the legislature. But again, it's it shows it's a state issue. It's not a federal issue. It, they don't have the power or authority to come in and and well, do that. Sort of thing. Yeah, and HR one wants to do that. Also, mandate the uh, um, redistricting. Uh, agencies instead of letting the state legislatures do it. Another overreach, another power grab, bad power grab. So, um, all right. So, um, I thank you for answering me on that one. I was really curious about it and I didn't have anybody else I could ask to find out how wacko I was on it. And uh, yeah. So, we've got Coniglia versus Strom in the uh, Supreme Court right now. And they're looking at this... <laughs> Community caretaking. Now, to me, and what do I know? I'm not a lawyer. Community caretaking is when somebody abandons their car on the side of the road and the police order it removed, or they they can restrain people from moving near an accident or a crime scene who would normally have the right to assemble or to, uh, you know, whatever, communicate or whatever, you know, free speech and all that, First Amendment stuff. But community caretaking is being pushed into, well, they can come in the house and take your guns without a warrant if they think that's if they think that's warranted, even though it's not warranted by an officer of the court. And this is actually before the Supreme Court right now. Yeah, this is a really scary case because if it goes the wrong way, uh, nothing is safe in your home. <laughs> nothing is safe in terms of the government coming in and searching and seizing property, whatever it is. Uh, it really flies in the of face of, of our constitutional law. Why didn't our forefathers think of this when they when they came up with the Bill of Rights? Why didn't they, you know, think of something, instead of worrying about camping soldiers in our houses, why didn't they come up with something about unwarranted search and seizure? Yeah, you know, it's funny you should mention that. And it does, sticks in my mind, maybe there is something in there about that. Oh, that's right. Unwarranted, unwarrantless search and seizure is prohibited. Well, you know, I guess uh, maybe it just depends on who's doing the searching and the seizing. I mean, it, you know, we can be facetious about it, but it, it really is ridiculous. The the rights and the and the the constitutional prohibitions against the government entering your home without a warrant, not seizing property unless they have probable cause a crime was committed and things like that. I mean, those are all in place. They're there to protect all of us, and not just in the area of guns, but in every area of life. And if the government can now come in without a warrant, seize your property, seize your computers, seize your guns, seize whatever, and then you can't get it back, even when you win the underlying case, which that gentleman did in that case, uh, there were false allegations that he was mentally ill by a spouse that he was in the midst of a divorce with, Oh, that, that doesn't look shaky, does it? You know, <laughs> give me a break. And they actually took the guy to a, a mental health facility where he had to stay for a few days and go through a battery of tests. And then the doctors come out, well, I guess he's okay. There's no problem here. Well, they seized his guns in the meantime, and they wouldn't give him back. And Effect even though he wants, that's him. ridiculous. <laughs> but effectively, they seized him for a few days. If they right. even out of that facility and say, hey, we don't find anything wrong with this man. Sort of like uh, Pilate said about Jesus, you know, I find yeah. no, nothing yeah. wrong here. Well, you I'll know? tell you, that's, a, that's a whole other area of a show is, is our whole mental health code. 
look, there are so many laws out there, Ed, that can be abused and misused. They've never been used this way, like our emergency power laws. They were never used this way before. They've never been used to, to take away everybody's civil rights. Well, the mental health code has a bunch of stuff in there that people have sure have no clue about where you can be held for for weeks without any due process, without any right to counsel, with all kinds of stuff because you might be a threat to yourself or others. Well, who determines that? And in today's woke culture, cancel culture, I mean, how long is it going to be that, you know, these folks say, well, you're mentally ill or you you have uh, issues and you're a threat to everybody because you're an evangelical Christian or because you believe Christ is the only way to heaven or you're, you know, you're imposing your your beliefs on other people, that sort of thing. Well, I mean, you're seeing that right now in the Atlanta shootings with that guy who's obviously got mental health problems and went in and shot up those places because of his problem, you know, his issues and his problems. But they're trying to paint all evangelical Christians as being, this is why. I, I just saw on Fox earlier today, a psychologist actually in public saying, well, it's because he was an evangelical Christian and they're kind of crazy. You know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said, is that it drove this guy to do the crime he did. So you all better be afraid of evangelical Christians. I'm telling you, this, you know, this is not hyperbole. This stuff oh, is coming. This stuff I know is coming. If you look at Canada to the north, you've got people who can't say things anymore. Pastors who would preach a message down here that just, you know, be pretty tame. And up there he goes to jail because he right. called sin, sin. Right. You know, exactly. I'm listening to an interesting podcast that my friend Martin Church turned me on to. And it was about the uh, business coup in 33. And I've spoken about Smedley Butler on this and the drift before and the, the business coup that wanted to overthrow FDR. But it's a great history lesson, and it talks about going up to, you know, the the Great Depression and uh, FDR and his acceptance speech and how people wanted FDR to become a totalitarian, that there were people who wanted him to, you know, to basically make the trains run on time like they saw happen in Italy. And he even addressed that in his uh, inauguration address and said, if it if it's forced on me or if, if it comes to that, I will react as I think the American people want me to. In other words, he was clearly alluding that he would become a dictator, a, a short-term, if not long-term dictator. And we just listened to Joe Biden in his inauguration address, which was pretty much unbearable. I got a lot of clips of it. I don't have time to play them. It's not germane to this show, but all his flubs but he said one thing in there that really struck me interesting. And actually, if I could, I'd like to play that real quick. We're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. That really scared me because I'm not the only person who thought, hey, that he's talking about overreaching. So, folks, it's been a great show. I've had a great guest, that's why. And it's David Coleman of Coleman Legal. Say it again, Dave. Coleman Legal Group. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, Salt and Light Global. And folks, join us next week for another show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you'll enjoy that one. Dave, thanks for coming aboard. We'll see you later. Always glad to be with you, Ed. Thanks.